Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's like peanut butter and jelly or um, hot dogs and buns. Yeah, see, they go together, right? That's what I'm talking about. When it comes to sports and bet online, they go together like that. That's how connected they are. Bet online is the only place you need to be when it comes to sports and sports betting, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship. Bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, use your mobile device. Join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Let me tell you about Lucy. Lucy is the bomb. You know why? Because nicotine is actually one of the greatest drugs on earth, but it has a terrible, horrible stigma around it. Why? Because most of the time, you get your nicotine from dirty, yucky things like smoking or vaping or chewing or dipping. Lucy takes care of that. Lozenges and gum, all in different strengths of nicotine, 4, 8, and 12 milligrams. You get all the benefits, the cognitive benefits, the appetite suppression, the metabolic boost, and it comes in a delicious package, all thanks to Lucy. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code Mikey. Get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any other Lucy product. Lucy.co. Use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Product containing non-tobacco nicotine are addictive. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey. Magic spoon, you are a spoon that's magic. You are delicious cereal that's actually pretty darn good for you. Magic spoon, 13, 14 grams of protein, only four net grams of carbs in each serving. With 140 calories in each serving, you get delicious, amazing cereal that tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite childhood cereal. Amazing flavors. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. This stuff is the best. Magic Spoons bring them back two super popular flavors that I have tasted, and I can back up. They are delicious. Cookies and cream and maple waffle. They're coming back, and they're coming back for good permanently, my friends. Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey to grab your delicious cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use our promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your order. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the promo code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Not being able to perform in the bedroom up to your standards, it sucks. It's really bad. And there's a built-in built level of shame and embarrassment. Why do you want to make it worse by having to deal with a doctor, waiting in line to get your prescription at the pharmacy? No. Blue Chew. Blue Chew has your back. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis in a chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Best part? It's all done online, and it comes right to your door. No doctors, no pharmacies, no awkward conversations. The process is super simple. 
Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. I got a special deal for you, too. Try Blue Chew for free when you use your promo code Mikey at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Mikey to receive your first month free. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. All right, let's get down to business. I ain't got no time to play around. What is this? It is the Mikey Likes You podcast, and this is a Q&A episode. I give you the bat signal to give me questions, and then I try my best to answer them. A lot of great questions on this one. Check it out. Here we are, the Mikey Likes You podcast. Boom. With karate, I'll kick your ass from here to right over there. Oh yeah, motherfucker, gonna kick your fucking dairy, yeah, yeah, yeah. You broke the rules, now I'm pulling out your pubic hair. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. Good sesh. Good sesh. Oh yeah. Welcome everyone. It is Mikey Likes You, greatest health and fitness podcast in the world. Uh, I am Mikey, also known as Mike Catherwood, uh, and you are who is liked. It's right there in the title. I like you. Mikey Likes You. Um, lots to get to. First and foremost, um, as some of you may know, you actually may be watching me right now. Uh, this show has transformed into not only an audio podcast, but a video cast as well. Just go to YouTube and I will, of course, put the link in the audio uh, podcast and then you can see the audio link in the YouTube uh, comments and little info details. So hitting you from both sides. I don't know how I become a triple threat in Internet content creation. I guess I can add OnlyFans. Getting a lot of requests for that. Speaking of that, <clears throat> let me tell you why. I I don't wish I was gay. But life would be so much easier. Because here's the problem, women. I think, by and large, you're smarter than men. I don't know if there's like higher intellect. It's just you're definitely more intellectually curious than men are. And there's more going on. I will give you a clear cut example of why this is and how this works. I put up a picture of me doing some exercise. Okay. And I was shirtless, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Real thirst trap type shit. I get this comment and it's from a chick. And it says, Nice form, if you know what I mean, with like a winky emoji and like some like A-OK thingy emojis and like a like a heart. And I go, no, you know what? Frankly, I don't know what you mean. I mean, do you mean nice form on the exercise? Because you shouldn't have to put if you know what I mean, because it's me doing an exercise. Therefore, Nice form is it's in there. You don't have to say, I know. Do you know what I mean? So I think you're, you're insinuating that you meant something like there's this sexual innuendo. But I mean, in my mind, I'm going, 
I don't know. What the fuck are you talking about? Right below it, a dude, gay guy, goes, come fuck me. And I'm like, that's easy to understand. Got right to the point. I find you attractive. Please come have sex with me. Take notes, ladies. If you're filling out some Tinder profile or any, don't get creative. You don't want to act like the Riddler, okay? When you're dealing with men, we're not we're not built for that. Just get right to the point. Uh, if you're a fuck boy and you only want to have sex, just don't even message me, okay? Because it's gonna. Uh, or I I would love to just have casual sex, please. I am looking specifically for a long term relationship. I'm 33. I want to get married. None of this fucking, uh, well, life, what does it really mean? Do we need partners? I know I do. I'm the type of girl who likes to create my own poetry just for my own well-being. Fuck all that. Go to go to Grinder. No confusions. How big's your dick? Oops, nine inches. Great. Meet me at uh, the Abbey, 10 o'clock. Boom, done. All right. Um, so it's a Q&A. <laughs> and uh, I solicited for questions, and now it's my time to answer them. Uh, if you would like greater insight, if you would like more detail to anything that I explain, um, my Patreon is always available. Just look for Mike Catherwood on Patreon. I will put a link in uh, the, the show notes. Um, and there are different tiers there for me to do my thing. I hope with you and help you uh, Q and a question. Do you have a fiber supplement to recommend? If not, can you get a recommendation from Dr. Drew Pinsky? Dr. Drew, where the fuck would I get it from him? This is a man. It's a very smart man. Do you understand all his nutrition information he gets from me? Okay. Don't get it twisted. I'll, I'll bring him on the phone. I'll show you. Uh, I do have a fiber supplement recommendation and i'm not uh, typically a big fan of supplementation in general i i'm a big believer in the idea that if your diet and lifestyle are really taken care of if you're really putting in the effort for your nutrition and your lifestyle meaning you know sleep uh stress management and then of course you know the food you put in you're drinking enough water there's really no need for a supplement and that's the that's the truth. Um, obviously, look, some of us don't like fish. And so something like fish oil is is very, very useful because you're just not going to eat oily, fatty fish four times a week or something. Um, something like vitamin D. If you live in Milwaukee, I can't really expect you to get lots of sunlight year round. You know, go ahead and get some vitamin D3. But by and large, I'm not a fan of supplementation. Something like uh, fiber, though, it's very, it's very weird because a lot of vegans complain of this because a lot of um, plant-based proteins that you get contain so much fiber. Things like you know hemp seeds and and um, you know uh, nut nut powders and things like that, or or just nuts in general, beans, legumes. You know, you, you're starting to. Uh, get so much fiber that it's not really appropriate for the human gut, you know, and I think people grossly overestimate how much bulk and fiber we need. 
Um, that being said, fiber is your friend when you're, especially when you're dieting and it can create, um, you know, that, that nice little middle ground can create a really nice situation in your gut and make you feel fuller, blah, 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 blah. I recommend glucomanon, glucomanon. Don't ask me how to fucking spell that. Um, actually, you know, I think I have mine right here. It's actually glucomanin, not glucomanon. This is the one I use. Um, glucomanon is a, it's, it's konjac root and it's been pulverized into make it into like this really powdery gelatinous fiber. And it is the most viscous substance that is, can be digested by the human system. It has this incredible ability to absorb moisture in your gut. And you can take, you know, just a small amount to one or two grams and it just fills your gut up and draws all the moisture out of your gut, which is actually a good thing. Helps you regulate blood sugar and obviously helps with regularity. Um, it's been shown conclusively with ample proof that it is good for regulating cholesterol, blood pressure and everything um, because it is just a really good, appropriate human fiber. Glucomanon is a, a dieter's best friend. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of different companies that sell it. I'm using now. And uh, I will just pop, you know, four or five pills uh, a couple times a day, like prior to a meal. And it just gives me that little added extra digestion help and helps me feel a little bit fuller. So that is my recommendation. Um, let's see here. Um, besides actual TRT or HGH, are there any cheaper ways to boost testosterone? I'm 48 and have kept a regular training schedule most of my adult life, but my testosterone levels are on the lower end of the scale. My doctor gave me a definite no and says I'm fine, but making gains has become harder and harder as I get older. Um, okay. Really good question from Southpaw MC. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. You're 48. Okay. You're not 28. Your testosterone is going to be lower at that age than, than the average 25 year old guy. Understandable. When you say that your, your testosterone is at the lower end of things, that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's natural. You're 48. So when you dip into problematic territories with hormones, that's when hormone replacement therapy is useful and is very responsible and is great. The problem is, is that so many alpha males in this society now, they're, they're, they want to just rush right into TRT. You know, and that's it's just not how it's supposed to be useful, uh, how it's supposed to be used for. It is replacement therapy for when you become deficient in these hormones. Um, so being on the lower end of things at age 48, again, not a problem. That's life. Um, Mike Mahler, M-A-H-L-E-R, makes uh, aggressive testosterone. It's a product, a natural product. And that, that shit works. Obviously, a healthy diet. Um, will help uh, higher levels of dietary cholesterol are great for natural endogenous testosterone. Also lifting heavy things, lifting heavy things, deadlifts, compound movements, they boost your hormones. They just do. Um, also sprinting. Um, it can be done on a rower, but it, it's been measured most closely with actual running sprinting. So get after it a couple times a week, sprint, 
two or three times a week, lift heavy things, get some dietary cholesterol from, you know, animal fats and things like that. And uh, I recommend Mike Mahler's aggressive uh, testosterone therapy. Okay. So listen, I understand the desire. I'm exploring getting into testosterone replacement therapy. I'm 42. Um, but my doctor said the same thing. Look, you can, you're fine being a human. If you want to continue being you, you might want to explore it. Um, so just understand that it's not necessarily as cut and dry as you think. Once you start really taking exogenous hormones and putting them in your body, you kind of can never go back. That's a Pandora's box that once you open, you can't close it. Um, so just keep that in mind. It, it, it is kind of a serious thing, but I also don't think people understand how natural and normal it is to use tes testosterone in particular. I mean, people are so, I think because, you know, the situation with like Mark McGuire and, and, you know, and Barry Bonds, people have this really distorted idea of what steroids are, anabolic steroids and androgens. Um, gross, insane abuse of these, uh, of these drugs, of these hormones is dangerous, but that's not what hormone replacement therapy is, or even just like recreational use at a reasonable level. I'm in no way telling people go use testosterone and go use uh, anabolics. What I am saying is that people draw these ideas of what steroids really are uh, uh, from like mainstream media and ideas that they got from, you know, sports stories. And it's just not that way. You know, the, the, the average man or woman, by the way, bioidentical hormones is, can be life-saving for women, especially after menopause. Um, these are, these are incredibly natural, incredibly safe substances, incredibly safe, incredibly well-studied. Um, so, you know, a lot of these young guys that contact me, they're always like, what do you think of SARMs? What do you think of this pro-hormone? What do you think of this and that to jack up my, my hormones and my testosterone, my growth hormone? I'm like, I don't, no one really knows the long-term effects of those things. Everyone and anyone who has even sniffed the scientific community knows exactly what happens when you supplement with um, exogenous testosterone, bioidentical human testosterone. So there's this weird taboo going on with those drugs that I don't think necessarily needs to be needs to be there. Um, but getting back to a guy like Southpaw, look at 48, you're going to be on the lower end of testosterone, the lower end. That doesn't mean you have low T. Someone who has a brain injury, someone who has some type of medical condition, or someone who just has fucked, the, fucked themselves up, you know, lots of stress, working crazy hours, not sleeping, and you get to 48, then you're at, you know, 300 testosterone overall. And that's when, you know, your doctor, I think, quite responsibly would say, now it's time. If you're on the quote unquote lower end of what's natural, that's called being 48. And the gains aren't going to come as quick. There are definitely things you can do, but you're not really moving that window much. You know, your margin's thinner when it comes to things you can do. Um, and I just think that I'm not trying to discourage you from keeping going, you know, doing your thing. But what I am trying to do is provide reality to you so that you don't get super discouraged and think that there's something wrong with you. No, that's life. And I also think that, you know, it, it gets me back to my old uh, adage of 
how women's fitness media fucks with women so much by not just being honest about genetics. Okay. And there's 200 million size eight women, you know, not by any means out of shape or overweight, but just normal women who look at the size two girls on, uh, on magazines and stuff. And they look at their training uh, routines and they look at their diets and shit. And no one's talking about the fact that like, 90% 90% of the reason they look that way is because they came out of the womb that way. You know, and, and, and that's again, not to try to discourage you to not train or diet or, or uh, monitor your nutrition. What I am saying is that that's a thing and that's real. And you just got to fucking understand that so that you don't drive yourself crazy that thinking that you're doing something wrong, not looking like the girl who's on the cover of shape magazine or looking like the girl who's on the cover of women's health. Here's two stories, two anecdotes, and I'm not just doing this to uh, either A, name drop, or B, um, try to sound cool. This is, I think, useful information, real-life kind of anecdotal stuff. Julianne Hoff from Dancing with the Stars, the dancer, okay? Insanely beautiful girl, super sweet. I like her a lot. I like her brother, too. Derek's a cool guy. When I was on Dancing with the Stars, Julie, Julianne Hoff was not a cast member, but she came back to do like some special fucking dance or some shit like that. I don't know. Cause I don't, I, I didn't even know what was going on with the show. I just was showing up when they told me to and, and trying to hit on people and, and uh, talk to Sugar Ray and, and Jericho. So Julianne's there. There's this area that we go to like do our uh, rehearsals. It's like studio in West LA and she's there And I'm going into this like break room and she's fucking huffing down Twizzlers and, and, uh, and, uh, fucking bread products and shit. And I'm like, Whoa, you go for it. Huh? And she's like, yeah, this is, this is how I eat. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, I'm just lucky, you know? And, and Derek and I have always been so active, you know, dancing since we were little kids. I, I, I just eat shit and I go, wow, good on you. Bravo. That night. I'm going home, driving from West LA to Venice Beach, where I live. I stop at Venice Whole Foods. Julianne Hoff is on the cover of some women's health magazine at Whole Foods. And it says, Julianne's get ready for summer diet plan. And I'm like, bullshit. I just, I just saw that shit. I just, now, I'm not trying to sell out Julianne Hoff. I'm sure, I'm sure she probably does eat egg whites every once in a while or fucking veggies. But my point being is that a lot of what makes Julianne Hoff's body so amazing is the fact that her parents gave birth to her. Carmen Electra. She came into Kevin and Bean, the radio show, back when I was on Kevin and Bean, and uh, she was promoting the Starsky and Hutch movie. You guys remember the movie, the remake with Owen Wilson and, and Ben Stiller? They did a movie version of the 70s cop show Starsky and Hutch. Carmen Electra was one of the hot chicks. She comes in to promote the movie. In the time she was waiting in the green room to do her interview, I saw with my eyeballs her eat a two one and a half bagels with cream cheese and two regular sodas at like eight in the morning. And she looked amazing. Like I, I can't even explain. I go, uh, you just go like that. You go hardcore like that all the time. She's like, yeah, all, all the time. That's how I eat. Don't really work out. 
Now, she was probably like 28 when that happened. Maybe now that she's, you know, 40 something, uh, maybe things are different. But I just wanted to give you some perspective because I don't want to assume something, but I think guys have a better understanding that like the rock and, 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 and Hugh Jackman or, you know, Zach Efron, they came out of the womb a little different than the rest of us. We know that like LeBron James is just a, you know, but I do think that women's media at least tries to convey this message that it's like, no, it's just like you, the way you live your life. And it's like, Hmm, I'm pretty sure Terrell Owens could never work out and eat nothing but fast food for the rest of my life, his life and still look better than me. Why? Cause he came out of the womb fucking shredded. And I think guys have a, just a better understanding of that when it comes to physique stuff. So there you go. Genetics is a thing. You can do something about it, but genetics is a thing. I found a link to one of your hosts. No, that's not a real question. I'm making some nice gains in back strength and muscle from Rose deadlifts, but starting to get stretch marks below my shoulders in kind of the back of my armpits. Do you have any recommendation or products to help with this? P.S. Magnolia rules. Oh, thank you. My daughter, Magnolia. From Mr. Ixner. I don't. I don't have any. Um, I don't have any recommendations. I'm sorry. I hate to sound um, like I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I just don't. That's not something I really understand well. Back in my bodybuilding days, I certainly got stretch marks. They just kind of went away as I got older. But. Um, what I would do if I was you is go to the source of the best information and the most kind of focus on stretch marks. What is that? Pregnant women, pregnant women know their thing. And it may seem weird, either talk to female friends of yours that have had children or go to like a pregnancy chat rooms. There's shitloads. Um, and just get some ideas, you know, or Google stretch marks from pregnancy because women who who go through labor, obviously, if we're just being using common sense, the insane amount in nine months, the amount that your body distends and changes, um, puts your skin and its elasticity through something that no bodybuilder has ever even come close to sniffing. Um, so they, they really do understand that. And they, there is some creams and things that can be used. I don't know how effective they are, but there is some things that people definitely use. Oh, Esme, my friend Esme, she says, Esme here, question might not apply to this show, but when are you and Dr. Drew going to do a show again? I find myself missing midday live and of course, Loveline. I think it's time for an official reunion. Interesting question. One that I think a lot of people ask a lot, certainly much more about Loveline. People are always like, why don't you do Loveline again? Why don't you do Loveline again? There's so many wacky factors that go into this stuff that's outside of my control, stuff that's outside of Drew's control, and it sucks. First and foremost, we don't own the name Loveline or the idea of Loveline. Not Corolla, not myself, not Drew. No one has any ownership over that. So some media company is doing Loveline. 
they're doing it as we speak. I, I, I can't believe that that's true because I wasn't even aware that like it was still a thing, but it's still a thing. So we can't just do Loveline. We'll get sued. Does that mean we can't do some type of similar show where it's just Drew and I hosting it? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does provide incredibly difficult loop loopholes to get through in order to try to set that up. We also don't have any kind of corporate backing when it comes to that because there's just no radio station right now. You know, the radio stations in New York and L.A. and Chicago, you know, these big radio markets, they are now in 2021 because of a million factors for the fact that most people don't even listen to the radio anymore. It's not the same as it used to be. It's not this preeminent form of entertainment. Um, COVID, people just don't commute as much. It's a, it's a t- terrestrial radio and, and satellite even has, had, has taken such a dramatic hit. I don't know if there's a radio station that could afford it realistically, you know, to put it on. Um, So do we create it on our own? Okay, let's explore that. Now we've already gotten to the point that, well, there's already a show in podcast form called Loveline where they take advice. So how do we get around it? What do we name it? Then we started to kind of work in that direction of like, the Mike and Drew show, if you guys remember, and then Swole Patrol. And then we were going to transfer that into being a live call-in show, start to do it more frequently. The person that was in charge, really in charge of Dr. Drew and my, we both had the same manager. I had a different manager for like TV shit, but we had the same manager for radio and we had the same agent for radio. Two really incredible guys that transferred over. They transcended being our management to being both of our friends. They were our close friends. They both passed away tragically. So that put a big dent in us as far as morale goes for the idea of Drew and I doing a show. But then it also kind of put us in this weird limbo business-wise because there was all this, you have to understand with Loveline, like, like 10 different media companies own a piece of it. Fucking Viacom from the old MTV show day when it was an MTV show, Viacom has a piece of it. CBS has a piece of it. CBS radio has a piece of it. Westwood one now podcast one has a piece of it from when it transferred over. So it's a fucking nightmare. And a lot of times Drew and I will just start to explore that. And then it just becomes such a big can of worms that we get burnout. Then COVID hit. And then we all, you know, especially with Drew, cause he got so much flack for being an honest voice. Um, everything just kind of went away. Does that mean that Drew and I won't ever do a show together again? Absolutely not. In fact, you know, I personally love Dr. Drew. We get along very well and we've always so thoroughly enjoyed being on the air together. And I can't say that that's not going to happen in the future, especially now as the technology gets to the point where you can make shows like this, that just look so good and sound so good without that much effort. Uh, I find the mental health benefits of a six to seven day a week workout schedule for heavy lifting days for me to be beneficial while I still make incremental gains. Should I be concerned about looming tipping point Pete from Pete Cerrone? Let me go check you out here, Pete. No, you're, you're, you look very young. You look very healthy. Um, you know, I, I 
training six, seven days a week is not problematic, but you've got to understand even the greatest athletes on earth, which none of us are. Okay. Sorry. I just don't think that, uh, that, you know, someone playing in the English premier league is listening to this show or someone, a track and field star from the Olympics or a UFC fighter, you, the people who are genetically gifted. And then on top of that, having amazing training history, even they go three or four days, maximum four days a week hard. You can't train seven days a week hard. I know you think you can. I know people who claim they do every day. I'm in there grind. No, you're not. Every day you go in and you put in a certain amount of effort to really go hard. What, what, what is considered hard training by measurable kind of metrics, three days a week's maximum. So if you're doing six, seven days a week of lifting, uh, or excuse me, four or five days a, a week of lifting, fine. I would imagine that, you know, you do four or five days of 75% effort, which is fine. That's not a bad thing. I'm just saying you've got to measure and understand that intensity and volume have a direct correlation. And as one goes up, the other has to go down. It's just not possible. I don't care what the Instagram shithead with his uh, spaghetti strap tank top says. No one grinds 24-7, 365 days a year. It's actually physically impossible, A, and B, it would be destructive to you and your progress. So if you have three or four light days, three or four heavy days, or six or seven mediocre, you know, I don't want to say mediocre, but moderate level intensity days, that's fine. Just understand that five or six days intensity, not a good thing. Probably not sustainable. Um, One day of intensity and six days of shit, not okay. Um, You got to find that nice middle ground. I personally, and granted, I'm older, but, you know, three days a week of, I can't, I can't talk after I'm done training. I'm so fucking tired, fucked up. I can't walk the next day type training. Three days of that. Four days of mixed intensity, lower intensity, staying active, a lot of neat. Remember we talked about this non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So things like I'm constantly walking places that, you know, I used to drive to constantly riding my bike, constantly doing chores around the house, constantly jumping on the trampoline with my daughter or, you know, just just keeping my body moving because that's really where the money's made. People get this incredible emotional benefit from training hard. And I understand that. I do, too. It's it's a savior for me. But when we really analyze homo sapiens and what we are. We are animals that are supposed to be constantly moving at low levels. We are not uh, leopards. We are not birds that fly at, you know, 180 miles an hour. We are not gorillas who have this insane level of strength. But we, up against pretty much any land animal, we're pretty fucking good when it comes to going all day long. You want to walk across the Kalahari or or the Amazon? A human is pretty damn good. At walking, you know, and just going and going and going and going, stalking animals quickly, or excuse me, stalking animals over long periods of time, you know, as predators. My point being is that we are, have been handcuffed so dramatically by modern lifestyle. I understand. I'd love to just move to uh, the Amazon and just move all day, but we live in a society where we have to sit. 
So do your best to augment that by constantly moving when you can take those 20 minute breaks every couple hours and just get out and go for a walk. And then you punctuate that with two or three times a week of real deal. Uh, I'm seeing God training. Okay. So if you Pete Cerrone, if you, if you like to be in the gym seven days a week, totally good. Just understand that all seven of those can't be um, game changers. Uh, thoughts on incorporating bulletproof coffee into a diet who should or shouldn't also do you consider it breaking a fast okay from gf galix probably gfg alex um okay let me answer your last question is it breaking a fast absolutely i don't know where or why just because it's butter and mct oil how 500 fucking calories of something isn't considered breaking a fast. I totally understand someone calling me or messaging me and be like, uh, essential amino acids, BCAAs, gum, diet soda. Is that considered breaking a fast? And I'd be like, oh, no, under 20, 30 calories, you're pretty good. Bulletproof coffee, like 600 fucking calories. How the fuck is that not breaking a fast? Because you don't chew it? Of course it fucking breaks a fast. Who shouldn't and shouldn't, who should and shouldn't use bulletproof coffee? That's not for me to decide. What are my thoughts on it? It's strange. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, sh- a hater of MCT oil or grass-fed butter. You guys know I'm big into, um, you know, animal fats and and animal protein and things like that. So I have no problem with the butter. I'm a fan of MCT oil used responsibly because you will be spending the whole day on the toilet if you have just a little too much. But MCT oil has been around in like the bodybuilding circles for many, many years. And it's incredibly effective for what, for those of you who don't know, medium chain triglycerides, MCT fats come in different chains, long chain, short chains. And then there's the medium chain triglycerides, which typically come from palm oil or coconut oil. Um, they are saturated fats, but they, they bypass a lot of the digestive, uh, properties that normal fats go through and they can give you immediate energy. They also bypass the brain, uh, very quickly, and they can create ketones for those of you who are on a ketogenic diet. So in, in short, my answer is I think bulletproof coffee is great for people who are on a ketogenic diet. But even then, you gotta can't you gotta calculate the fact that you're having a fucking 500, 800 calorie drink. Is it a drink that's gonna give you healthy fats? Yes. And some caffeine to get you going and boost the metabolism. Sure. But I think so many people, especially people on a lower uh, carb diet who are trying to diet, they add in the bulletproof coffee as if it's like some inconsequential supplement that's going to help them on their diet. Not even thinking about the fact that they're starting their day with this like insane bomb of calories. You know, I just think that like for someone who's really advanced and has already gotten to the point of uh, regulating their calories and has been monitoring their intake for long periods of time and it's kind of intuitive. Yes, of course, there is the the health benefits to it. I just think we get into a really dangerous territory when you get people who are trying to lose weight drinking butter and fat. 
You know, it's this is this is calorically dense shit. So that's my take on that. How dangerous is it to only take one day off a week, not doing anything hardcore, just the main six horizontal vertical exercises for about 30 to an hour, six days a week? All right, Esther Bond. Um, I kind of answered that question a couple questions ago. Um, it's not that dangerous. It, again, just understand that you don't want to train muscle groups too frequently. Twice a week is probably the max that most muscle groups can take if you're training with any level of intensity. You don't want to train in too high a, a heart rate too frequently, um, two or three days a week for that. If conditioning is a, is a part of your protocol. So volume and intensity have to be regulated. Also, things like your knees and your lower back have to be taken into consideration. What do I mean by that? You don't want to squat the day after you did heavy deadlifts or vice versa. If you're focusing on the deadlift, let's say, if you're in like a, a cycle where deadlift is very important to you, you may want to just take away squats altogether. Um, the lumbar, the lower back, the knees, these are things that have to be taken into consideration. You can do fucking push-ups and band pull-aparts and rows and all the live long day every day. I'm not saying it's optimal, but you're not going to get yourself into some weird fucking injury situation. The best power lifters in the world, the best bodybuilders in the world, the best people who use weights as part of their livelihood they know that programming is based on a lot of factors, intensity, volume, obviously, but also optimizing performance and the achieved outcome. Also, programming needs to optimize injury prevention. Do not train low bar back squats the day after or the day of deadlifting. Train one on Monday, the other on Friday. Um, you don't want to train split squats the day before you're doing heavy back squat. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to take into consideration, not only the, the trauma placed on the muscle cells themselves, the trauma that the body's being put through and in different disproportionate ways, there's not that much trauma on your rear delts. There's not that much trauma on your calves. There's a lot of trauma that could be put on the spinal area and on the knees. So take those things into consideration when you're training six days a week. What do you think of clenbuterol? Is that something you recommend when you're cutting to help cut faster? No, Dave Castles. Clenbuterol. I know I just went on a fucking rant about how people overestimate how dangerous steroids are. And it's true. Used responsibly, anabolics and androgens are nowhere near as dangerous as most people in like the mainstream think that they are but where the fuck do people get this idea that you can just use clenbuterol as like a like a like a dieting like oh, i'm just want to lose that extra few no fucking clenbuterol it's a fucking stimulant it's a fucking stimulant like a serious stimulant designed to deal with people who like serious respiratory problems Long-term use can have serious effects on the heart. I don't know if they're as serious as they were once claimed, but it fucks you up. And it's not that big of a benefit. 
how, I mean, no, clenbuterol is a serious deal. And Lord knows I have, uh, I have a sympathy for people who want to get ripped. I get that. But how about you just diet? And how about you train? Trust me, it works. You don't need any drugs to get shredded. You really don't. I know it's hard to understand that. I know it's hard to even hear sometimes because it's so difficult. But there's no amount of drugs that will make up for a fucking shitty diet. And there's no amount of drugs that's going to compensate for training like a puss. And if you do both of those things, train like a, a G and diet consistently for a long period of time, it will work. Irrefutable. Okay. Stop looking for things like clenbuterol or SARMs or whatever the fuck. And just buckle down and diet. I don't want to sound dismissive because I know, I don't think, I know how difficult it can be to regulate your eating, especially for people who have some type of psychological or emotional connection to eating. And almost all of us, when it comes to our eating and our, uh, our, our, our feelings of inadequacy with how we feel or how we look, there's much more there than calories in, calories out. Much more there. Trauma, stress, whatever it may be, serious eating disorders. And I am not a man who is a stranger to the ideas of being ashamed of how I look or a stranger to the ideas of having crippling problems with eating. I get that. What I am saying and what I'm trying to hammer home here is that because we recognize that it's really hard to do that, to go long term, to rearrange all your habits when it comes to eating, to try to to try to push yourself away from these yummy, convenient things and try to opt to consistently eating things that take a little bit more time to prepare and aren't necessarily as immediately rewarding to our palate. Because we all agree that's not easy. Far too many of us are then doing the Terminator scan for any other option. And almost always, clenbuterol being a perfect example, all the other options are really bad. Really bad. And if you confront the fact that long-term consistent dieting, and I don't even like to call it that, long-term consistent restructuring of your habits with eating, Long-term, consistent, consistent. That, it's much more important than having that one or two days of, 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 of uh, insane glory training. Consistent training, showing up over long periods of time. These are the things that are not only going to get you those kind of physical results that you're looking for. They transform you as a human being. They will make you feel better about yourself. They will make you sleep better. They will make you feel a little bit. Your, your mood will be improved. Okay. And opting for stimulants, appetite suppressants, plastic surgery, you forego all of it. 
And there can be not crazy side effects with some of these drugs. You know, DMP, I think, is a little bit more intense. But, you know, with, with the stimulant-based stuff, ephedrine and, and, and clenbuterol, like the, the side effects are there. And more importantly, I think, you get in this weird yo-yo cycle of then, yeah, for eight weeks, I lost 22 pounds because I was chomping on 50 milligrams of uh, clenbuterol every day. But then eventually that drug goes away and then you get fucking addicted to how thin you were when you were using it. And then you're like, I got to get it back in my system. And it's just not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. So Dave Castles, I'm not trying to pick on you, but you're thin and you're in good shape. I'm looking at your profile, man. And you're young as fuck. Go after it, buddy. Do yourself a favor. It'll be worth it. Um, I've pretty much eliminated isolation movements from my workouts for the past couple months. I noticed a couple of weeks ago, my triceps have been getting sore while making sweet love to my wife. Oh, nice. Is that a sign they're getting weak? Should I start training them again or consider that the workout? They do get a good pump. That's a really good question. Uh, good for you, Fredville. Good for you for putting in work on your wife like that. Keeping things sexy. Um, well, it's hard to answer. Um, it's not a sign that your triceps are getting weak. What it is a sign of is that you're training your tricep when you're pumping your wife. When you're training your triceps like that, it's an it's a um, it's a movement that you're not um, you're not accustomed to training. As you've already put out there in your comment or your question that you've avoided isolation movement. So I, I have this vision of you doing bench press or overhead press, deadlift, squats, right? That's not isometric movements. That's slow strength, strength endurance. Uh, you're using um, applied strength. Get it, force creation. But when you're holding yourself up to pump, I'm imagining like missionary. So you're you're doing like a plank, and then you're 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 giving the gusto with the hips. Um, that's an isometric movement. You're holding your triceps locked in a, in in a one position. Isometric meaning. Uh, there, there's no movement. It's, it's essentially pushing against immovable force or holding a a position for long periods of time. Um, that just means that you're not accustomed to training in that, in that modality. It doesn't necessarily show weakness of your triceps. I will give you a more real world, uh, applied example. Every time a grappler every time like a high level grappler wants to transition into MMA and they start getting into striking, they show up and they hit the bag or they uh, hit the tie pads and they're fucking gassed out of their mind within one round. And you're like, you're a fucking division one, a wrestler. You're in amazing shape. Yes. But they're, so conditioned to doing what they do. Alternatively, I've seen it with my, I've seen this one happen where like a high level kickboxer or boxer comes to a jujitsu class and they're fucking on the floor after half a round, like dripping sweat and they can't move. Why? They're so accustomed to dynamic, explosive movement. Pow, 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 pow. 
and they can go 15, 20 rounds hitting the pads, sparring, but grip strength and, and tightness and the, and the, you know, the squeeze of grappling, it's a completely different energy system. And, um, that that's real. And that's, that's part of the human body. And it's why there's so many more factors into training and development than just like calories in calories out, lift this, don't lift that. Um, but it doesn't show that there's weakness in your triceps. Uh, if you're alternating between Muay Thai and boxing, how many days a week of strength training would you recommend to allow sufficient rest? So five days a week of boxing and Muay Thai, uh, I would recommend two at the most strength training, full body, both days, alternate exercises for each kind of movement pattern, uh, front squat, split squat, um, Romanian deadlift, one leg Romanian deadlift, uh, bench press, dumbbell incline bench press, um, overhead press, uh, high pull, um, chin-ups and, uh, rows. Okay. So those are your two for each and do one, all of one. And then all of the other, you know, maybe Monday, Thursday or Tuesday, Saturday, but that's the most, that's the most you need because, if you're training boxing and Muay Thai that much, that means to me that you want to be excellent at those. And that's great. And I highly encourage you. You're not going to be excellent at being a bodybuilder training that much. Okay. What you can do is maintain or gain a little bit of strength, functional strength to help you in your, in your goal of being a good boxer or Muay Thai fighter. Don't get it twisted and think that you can sit on two horses with one ass. Um, and I do think that two days a week of traditional strength and conditioning is, is not only adequate, it's, it's like optimal because you don't need metabolic help. You're training your ass off. Okay. Uh, really focus on diet and get good and, and really good at, at range of motion and form in, you know, the exercises that I've named and uh, you will get stronger and you will be able to move better and that will help you and you will, your body will look better, you know? So that's, that's my recommendation. With no access to a gym and trainers because of lockdown here in Australia, how can I use kettlebells and a dip pull-up bench station at home to build muscle? Thank you, Mike. Well, Goldzy, Goldzigal, um, at my Patreon, shameless plug, uh, I will put the link below, I have a full kettlebell and bodyweight workout. Feel free to combine the two. I can also create um, even more now that uh, certain parts of the world are getting returning to lockdown. Um, don't think that you have to just, you know, give up on your physique goals because of lockdowns. You don't. You can get in amazing shape um, with just your body weight, with just a kettlebell, with just bands. You can, you absolutely can. It takes a little bit more creativity and it takes a little bit of patience. I also, do, I'm not going to lie to you and say like, oh, it's optimal. Yeah, you can train for the Mr. Olympia or like, you know, Miss Bikini Olympia, uh, just body weight, one, one kettlebell, you're fine. No, it's not, it's not optimal. You don't, you're not going to train to be an Olympic athlete with just body weight. But 
it doesn't mean that you can't make dramatic improvements in your physique composition and your fitness. You absolutely can. Okay. Um, so don't, don't look at it like you've, you've, you've lost out and all hope is lost. Could have said that more eloquently. Um, what too many people do, um, the one tip I will give you here, and I will, again, will lead you to um, the, the Patreon. And then also there's other people who are really, they're experts in body weight and kettlebell conditioning. With body weight stuff, far too many people, they get obsessed with just numbers and reps. And it kind of defeats the purpose of doing resistance training. Um, being able to do tons and tons and tons of reps of push-ups, it'll make you gain incredible levels of endurance in push-ups. Not going to mean fuck all, really, in changing your body. And not going to mean fuck all in your fitness. If you have a strip of street or dirt or a park nearby, now's the time. Get faster. And I don't mean long jogs and shit, you know, that, that we've already discussed at length how that might not be what people are looking for when it comes to getting a good physique. But, you know, shaving a couple seconds off your 100-meter dash will fucking revolutionize your, your physique. Um, and working the, the, the kind of basic body weight movements is something that's really nice and can be really great for kind of letting your body make gains without destroying it so much. Cause I'll be the first to admit, you know, going hard with the barbells, especially can, can take its toll. Um, and body weight training doesn't seem to have that, uh, that same kind of ability to destroy you, but work time under tension more so than trying to count reps. What I mean by that is if you can, if you can do 10 second negatives, let's take push up or a squat 10 seconds on the way down a one second pause and a 10 second on the way up. And you do that three or four reps, and then you build to the point where you can do five reps, six reps, that's going to take you much farther than being able to do 50 like this. Okay. If you can do one day of bodyweight squats, push-ups, and then rows, uh, you know, bodyweight rows with the, the super slow um, technique, and then do one day of explosion, like clapping push-ups and, um, explosive rows, uh, and, and jump squats, jump squats instead of just the regular squats and, and move as fast as possible, as explosively as possible. I think that that's a much better way and a much better approach, a much more comprehensive approach to body weight training than to, uh, just go after. It's like yesterday I did 50 squats. Now I'm doing 52 because there's a law of diminishing returns with that much endurance. What's your take on supplementing with deaspartic acid? Um, it's effective. It works. Uh, deaspartic acid, for those who don't know, it's been shown to raise testosterone levels. I just don't know. From what I recollect, deaspartic acid is not cheap. And I'm like, is it really? Is it worth the money? I don't know. But it is effective. And it hasn't been shown to have any side effects. So take with that what you will, sir. What are your thoughts on blood flow restriction training? 
I like it. I don't know much about it. I'll be very honest. Ben Greenfield's a little bit sharper on this. Uh, he's one guy I'll lead you to. Um, but it, it it works. It does seem kind of weird and kooky, but blood flow, rest- <laughs> blood flow restriction training. Um, essentially, you put like these tourniquet bands on like your bicep above here and it cuts off blood flow to that area. And then you train that that muscle group. You put it above like by your by your uh, upper thigh and then you train your your quads. It's it's really weird, but there's a lot of science and there's a lot of proof that it it works. I don't know shit about it. I don't know why it works. I don't know how to apply it properly, but I do know that from the little research I've done, it uh, it works. Best affordable protein powder. Hmm. I say your best option is go to truenutrition.com. Dante Trudell, he was the genius behind uh, dog crap training. I guess that's its real name. Um, a very effective protein, or excuse me, a very effective training modality. Um, he started this company called True Nutrition. Now there's other companies very similar to it. But what it is, is essentially they cut out the middlemen. We've seen this a lot with like internet-based advertisements with like mattresses, watches, where instead of uh, a watch company buying the bulk products from, you know, three or four Swiss German companies, then assembling it and then selling it to Macy's where then you go buy uh, your, your, your Timex or your Rolex or whatever. They just build it themselves and then sell it to you via their website. Well, that's what Dante did with true nutrition and, and protein powders and supplements, all of these major protein and supplement companies buy bulk from like three or four, uh, major producers, some in the United States, some in um, a lot in China, a lot in India, Germany, whatever. And then they package it and they make it Nitro Tech 3000 or whatever. And then they sell it to you at, from GNC or bodybuilding.com. He gets the bulk stuff, packages it and sells it to you. And you can order as much. You, uh, you order what flavor you want. You order uh, what mix you can even do custom blends. I do that where I, I get like 50% milk protein isolate. 50% uh, egg protein, um, whatever, you know? So so I recommend go down there and then you can just pick and choose exactly how you like it and it will be cheaper for you. I think you get a better product at a better price. Um, I have no affiliation with that. I just know that I do. I, I get a lot out of that. And uh, I like the fact that you can choose your flavor, choose your blend, choose whatever, or you could just, you know, plug and play. Like I want... Crossflow, way filtered, isolate, boom. There you go. Send it to me two pounds in a baggie. Save some money. True nutrition. Um, can you break down the benefits of the five by five program versus a more traditional eight to 12 rep range program? Yes. Ooh, a good question. A lot here. Five by five is not a training program. Five by five is a rep range. Five sets of five. The reason I want to make this distinction is because there's like five different five by fives. Could have said five less. Um, Bill Pearl has his five by five. There's the the kind of um, initial like Vince Gironda idea of five by five. 
there's the more popular strong lifts five by five, which is what I recommend. The Texas method, uh, mad cow five by five. These are all protocols built around five reps, five sets of five reps. The difference being is that they all use different kind of weight schemes. Some of them you ramp up till you're using, you start at a lighter weight set one, uh, a heavier weight at set two, set three, set until you ascend into the heaviest weight at weight five, uh, at set five. I don't like that because then you're doing one by five. That's what I, that's my point. I like five by five because you start at one, you do the same weight on Tuesday, all five. And then, you know, next time you do this exercise, you're doing 5% increase on all five sets. And it's that level of increment because that level of intensity and that level of volume, I think is very beneficial for people, especially when they're in that beginning stage. The traditional eight to 12 rep range is just like how I feel about a lot of um, isolation movements. It's very good after you've built a body. Eight to 12 has been proven time and time again to be a little bit better for pure hypertrophy, for building your muscle cells. Okay. Myoplasma, sarcoplasmic muscle building. Hypertrophy has a million factors into it. Higher rep ranges at moderate weight has been proven to be better for hypertrophy. The problem is, is that it really becomes effective after you've built a baseline of strength. Okay. And people really underestimate how fucking weak they are. And for the rock, you know, if you watch him on his Instagram doing, you know, his iron paradise training, he's using hammer strength machines and a lot of Smith machine and stuff. And he's not doing a lot of compound movements. Um, and he's in that 12, 8, 12. Sometimes, you know, for lower body, it's actually been proven to be beneficial to get a little higher, 15 to 20 reps. Okay, so he's doing a lot of higher rep, a lot of medium weight, you know, moderate for him weight, even though it's heavy for the, the world. And he's doing a lot of that activity. That's because he's fucking jacked and lean. Okay, I have gotten to the point where I squat, you know, once or twice a week excuse me, once every two weeks or so. I deadlift once every two weeks or so. And I'm doing a lot of these various exercises. You know, it's a, I, I'm pretty fucking lean and muscular. You know, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying like, yeah, I got to this point. I, I can't tell you how many years, years I spent wasting my time as like a 20% body fat 19-year-old doing cable crossovers and shit and not really getting anywhere you know sure i would get better at these exercises and get stronger in these kind of weird obscure esoteric movements but it never amounted to shit i still was in the do you even lift bro world and i know a lot of you are in the same place and you know this this brings me to a, a real hot button topic because i had um i had uh, doug brignoli on the show last time right he was talking about how well you know, if we look at the science, a sissy squat, you know, cable sissy squat, 10 times more effective and more efficient than a barbell squat. And it absolutely is for driving tension into that isolated muscle. Totally true. And I recommend people understand that. And I don't want to, I, I brought Doug on for a reason. I think what he's, everything he's talking about is incredibly true and sharp. 
But don't get it twisted. If you're someone who has not achieved baseline levels of fitness and muscularity and leanness, some fucking cable laterals and sissy squats ain't going to do jack shit for you. I mean it. And you will waste your time. And I don't want to see you waste your time. I can do some sissy squats and I get a lot out of it. I have been. I've been doing slant board goblet squats and sissy squats and my fucking thighs are on fire. But I got to the point where, you know, I'm for reps, I'm getting 340 pounds on a back squat. I know it's not like world records or anything, but I'm 42 years old and I'm 175 pounds. And I'm thinking to myself, like, do I need to be loading that much fucking weight on my spine at this point? Is there ways I can get more out of my training and put myself in less danger? You don't have to worry about that if you can't even squat your body weight. Don't worry about the danger of the back squat. And the danger of the deadlift when you're deadlifting 115 pounds. Developing the the synchronistic movement patterns of your hip flexors and your glutes and your hamstrings and your upper back when you deadlift will take you farther. You will get the metabolic benefits. And then that's that cellular conversation that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with that article from the New York Times. There's so much that goes on with these movements. And I, I just don't want people to get confused that I don't think what Doug was saying was in any way wrong. It is totally true. If you take a guy like, here's a perfect example, Stan Efferding, um, a friend of mine, a guy who's been on the show before, I think he's a genius in the world of strength training and nutrition. He's behind the vertical diet. I recommend it to everyone. He's this, literally the strongest body, a professional bodybuilder in the world. Okay, he's the strongest IFBB pro bodybuilder. He moved to Venice, my hometown here, Venice, California, for six months to train with Flex Wheeler, legendary bodybuilder Flex Wheeler. He wanted to get in the best shape of his life, and he was already older. He's like 40 at the time. He moved to Venice. Lived here, trained twice a day, six days a week with Flex Wheeler. Got jacked and shredded. Didn't do one squat, one deadlift the entire six months. Why? Flex said it's not, not appropriate, not efficient, not the, not the best way to get what the results you're looking for. Here's the thing. He's the strongest fucking bodybuilder in the world. He, he was squatting thousands of pounds, thousand pounds, deadlifting 800, 900 pounds. So when he arrived in Venice to then accentuate hypertrophy and body fat loss, you better believe reps with that much weight is not the best way to go about it. He wanted to target the quads. He wanted to really drive tension into oh! He wanted to really drive tension into the biceps or the upper back, you know, whatever it may be. And there is way better exercises to do that. Way safer exercises to do that. You cannot go to that point until you've built a physique. You literally can't extrude the actual benefit of those exercises until you've gotten to the point where you have a competent level of strength. The, the analogy I always use is like this. You're looking at the best hedge fund managers in the world, you're looking at their investments and you don't have a job. 
Don't worry about what Warren Buffett is telling you to invest money in. What, what, what Warren Buffett is investing in right now applies to you none if you have a minimum wage job. And having a minimum wage job is not having a baseline level of strength. Get yourself liquid money in your bank account. And how do you do that? Get competent in the strength movements, the compound movements. Get good at it. Get leaner. Then when you get to the point where you're, say, sub 20 for a woman, sub 15% body fat for a guy, and you have competency in strength, then you can start worrying about bicep curls and, and leg extensions. Okay? Because you can't put that cart before the horse. Trust me. Trust me. I'd love to say that you can go and do hammer strength overhead one-arm presses and your shoulders will look like the rocks. No, he does those because he's already done it. He's already gotten to the point where that is beneficial to him. That is no longer as dangerous. It's more effective than, say, a barbell overhead squat. But if you can't do bodyweight chin-ups, don't fucking even contemplate your arm day. Let me get my arm, my concentration curls in. You, if you can't do chin-ups, you can't do... If you can't bench press your body weight once, don't talk to me about cable crossovers. All right. In this crazy mix-up world... Hold on. Uh, remember, everybody, download, subscribe. Hit the little bell thing if you're watching on YouTube. Notification thingy. Put comments below. Hopefully nice comments. Hit the like button. Do me a favor. Tell your friends. Because... Why? In this crazy mix-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good, people. Thank you, everyone who listens. I really do appreciate it, and definitely big, super-duper, extra-strong thank you to all my patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, go to Patreon and look for Mike Catherwood. I am there for you with three separate tiers. And remember, this podcast is not only an audio podcast nowadays. It also has a video component right there at YouTube. Everyone. I love you, and in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good, people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.